Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You're listening to The Wrong Station Pledge Drive. The Wrong Station is only possible with the support of listeners like you. Become a subscriber today by visiting patreon.com slash the wrong station. You'll receive access to bonus episodes, behind-the-scenes discussions, our new book club, and so much more. Today, The Wrong Station is proud to present Plant Mom, written by Alexander Saxton and performed by Jackie Martin. Shortly after moving into the new place, she went to her mother's house for tea. I'm looking for some plants to brighten up the new apartment. If my roommate can keep a cat alive, I should at least be able to manage a flower. Lapsang Suchong vapor rose in clouds around them. She and her mother both drank it with milk, though she worried sometimes that this was not the correct method. Try the drawer in the office, her mother said. There's a bunch of old envelopes filled with seeds in there, from your grandmother. When it had been her grandmother's house, the backyard had flourished in Victorian splendor. Shades of crimson and fuchsia, smokebush, cornflower, golden sankfoil, Bavarian gentians that gave off blue darkness, like in the poem. Exotic plants plucked from their homelands by men in pith helmets and then sent to the white dominions in glass cases to either suffer and die in the northern soil or else get loose from the gardens of Rosedale and run amok in the city's ravines. Her mother, though, either out of laziness or principled opposition, had let the garden die. Some flowers still lingered, feral, under the Japanese maple, but most had been trampled under triumphant thistles, mint, and Russian sage. Will any of the seeds still be, you know, viable? Her mother shrugged. It's not like I'm going to plant them either way. So... In the big, antique desk in the study, she jerked open a jammed drawer to find a manila envelope crumbling around the edges. The word seeds stamped across it in her grandmother's lithographic hand. Inside, smaller envelopes proliferated, each adorned with a gorgeous name. Acanthus. Calament. Bleeding heart. Then, underneath them all, she found one final envelope. Heavier, of better stock. Its label read, unknown, comma, distinctive. Of course I'm going to take this one, she told her mother. That's nice. Her mother barely looked up from her phone. Just make sure you plant it indoors. No telling if it's invasive. When she got home, she eagerly tore open the envelope. Inside were three red spiky seeds, 
and a slip of paper on which her grandmother had written instructions. 1. Water daily. 2. Add one cup blood meal to soil when potting. Add another cup any time leaves start to yellow. 3. Keep out of direct sunlight. 4. Keep high up, parentheses, out of reach, close parentheses. 5. Prune aggressively. I mean aggressively. Are you sure about the blood meal? asked the woman at the garden center. Usually that's the amount you'd use for like 20 square feet of garden. My grandmother was a pretty keen gardener. I think she knew what she was doing. The woman shrugged and rang her through. Back home, the first seeds sprouted in under 13 hours. Look at that! The enthusiasm made her roommate laugh. By next morning, all three seeds had sprouted and she'd updated her dating profile to include the words, Plant Mom. Red-tipped, spiky shoots stood four centimeters high and her roommate's cat, a live tabby with a chip in one ear, was perched over the pot, licking blood meal from the top layer of soil. Hey, she shouted, get! The cat started, scrambling down from the shelf to dart from the room. What'd you expect? asked the roommate. It's blood meal. He's a predator. Hmm, I guess that's why the instruction said keep out of reach. She moved the plants to a higher shelf. But after that, the cat began to loiter underneath. Three days later, the branching shoots were over a foot high. Crimson buds began to yawn wide at the base of spear-like shoots. I like this plant. It's badass. Feel how sharp the leaves are. Yeah, the roommate barely looked up from her phone. Super cool, girl boss shit. A day later, however, the leaves had begun to yellow. Plant Mum went out to the back stoop for her sack of blood meal, and its smell attracted the cat, who weaved in and out of her legs, meowing loudly, and almost tripping her as she crossed the kitchen to the flower pot on its high shelf. This cat has a thing for blood meal, she said to her roommate. Your plant has a thing for blood meal, came the reply. You've already gone through like a quarter of that bag. It was true, and the bag had weighed five kilos. And yet, after only three more days, the plant had doubled in size once more, and its leaves were yellowing again. Aren't you supposed to prune it? The roommate asked. Nah, it looks dope. I'm going to let it get a little bigger. So she fed more blood meal to the reaching spears. Then more. The cat now spent its entire days circling underneath that shelf like a shark, puling for food. By the end of that week, the plant was big. Properly big. Too big. Spilling from its pot to cover the six-foot shelf in lazy, fleshy, hard-barbed tendrils and soaring three and a half feet straight up to crowd against the ceiling. Its foliage was yellowing again already, but it had begun to bear fruit. Small clusters of oblong berries, bright as blood, which, when she overwatered the plant, would burst, sending shining rivulets of goratrickle down amongst the thorns. Time to prune, her roommate suggested, on the way out the door for work. Yeah, yeah. As the door clicked shut, the plant mom donned a pair of heavy work gloves, then heaved the planter down from its shelf, staggering over to the kitchen table. The plant had gotten heavy. The cat was wailing around her ankles once again. Oh my god, shut up, cat. You're so annoying. 
but the cat just yowled louder and louder, headbutting the backs of her ankles as she fumbled with her pruning shears and found the reaching spears so spiny and tough that it took her almost three minutes to saw through even one. Yowl, yowl, yowl. Shut up. Ah, fuck. Distracted by the screaming animal, she'd lost focus and let the plant wrap one of its meaty fronds around the wrist guard of her glove. The saw-toothed edge had sliced her, leaving a bright gash bubbling along the back of her wrist. Why? she shouted at the plant. I'm your mother. Yow, 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 shouted the cat. The plant just rustled, silent and content. She ran to the bathroom, rinsed her wound in the sink, applied Bactine and a Band-Aid. When she returned to glower at her thorn child, she found a bead of her own blood rolling down the leaf into the quivering petals of one of the red flowers nestled at its loins. Oh, gross. Yowl, shouted the cat. He had not stopped making this noise for even one second. I said shut up, she demanded then stamped down the hall past her roommate's door out to the back stoop where the gardening shit lived. Fucking plant, she muttered. I'm really going to prune you for that. The biggest shears they had were a heavy set she'd stolen from her grandmother's house, so rusted together they could barely open. She smiled grimly to herself at the brutal creak they made, then rounded on her heel and stormed back into the apartment. Prune aggressively, she said to herself. I mean aggressively. When she returned to the kitchen, it was deathly quiet. No yowl, no thump of trotting paws as the cat raced back and forth, crying for blood meal. Only a low purr and a soft lopping noise as she found the cat hunched up at the base of the pot, its face buried in a cluster of red berries. As she stepped into the room, both cat and plant looked up at her, the cat with wide eyes and the plant's thick red juice smearing its chin. The plant with a vague air of smug silence. Get, she shouted, and the cat darted away. Hours later, when her roommate returned home, the cat was perfectly fine. Hours after that, he was dead. They buried the poor animal in a shoebox at the back of the plant mom's mother's backyard, against the fence which backed onto the ravine. At the roommate's insistence, they doused the plant in lighter fluid and set it ablaze in the back alley, those crimson berries bursting, one by one, like damp fireworks. After some sad consideration, she removed the words plant mom from her dating profile. Things soured with the roommate after that, and she ended up moving back in with her mother, in the old, crumbling red brick manse that had once been her grandmother's. When spring came, she ignored the garden as assiduously as her mother ever had. And so that spring, she didn't see the sharp yellow spears rising from the turned earth at the back of the yard, against the fence which backed onto the ravine. And it wasn't until the droning heat of August that she found it back there, six feet tall and yellowing, with all the rich red berries picked clean from its limbs. She spent the entire afternoon tearing it out of the ground, hacking it into pieces, and then burning those pieces in the driveway. The effort cost her a lot of blood. What she didn't know that afternoon, as she angrily scrubbed the dirt and dried blood off her in the stinging shower, was that a half-dozen neighborhood cats were already bloating up with flies in the ravine behind her mother's house. And when spring came again, 
She didn't know about the green spears rising through the matted fur that was already left of them. And it would be several years before she understood the full extent of what she'd done. When in mid-spring, she walked down through the ravine behind her late mother's house, and the whole ravine was yellow as autumn, sharp as a wall of bloodied pikes. No birds sang any longer. No squirrels bounded through the mulch. Only when the wind blew was there any sound. A dry rattle of the spear-like yellow fronds, like the muttered laughter of a crowd.